Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. I hope you're having or have had a nice Easter weekend. In this episode, we speak to Giles Pegram, CBE, who worked for many years at NSPCC and was the architect of the incredibly successful Full Stop campaign. Neither Giles nor I are or have ever been CEOs. However, Giles has decades of experience working with CEOs and has mentored those working with CEOs too. He brings his insights to this interview as we ask some key questions such as how much time should CEOs be spending on fundraising, how should directors of fundraising work with their CEO for maximising fundraising success, what is the role of trustees in supporting the CEO to help achieve fundraising greatness. So without further ado, here's Giles Pegram, CBE, talking with me about CEOs and their place in fundraising. Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm here with friend of the show, Giles Peck from CBE. Giles, welcome back to Charity Chat. Thank you Chat. very much. So this episode we're talking about the challenges faced by CEOs and charities within the context of fundraising, so the, the challenges they face with fundraising. What types of challenges are CEOs facing with um, fundraising? I have never been a CEO and that's deliberate. I've never wanted the, um, the responsibility of being woken up at three in the morning and asked to appear on the Today programme and explain why a child had died. Um, but I have worked with a lot of CEOs and I think probably the biggest challenge um, that CEOs face is, is understanding um, that fundraising is about donors, understanding that the only reason they can do the work that they do and pay themselves the salaries that they pay themselves is because a lot of people are paying £2 a month or organising garden parties uh, to raise money for them. Sure. So, um, just take for example, quite a few charities I know which are mainly um, funded by local authorities, but where maybe 25% of the income comes from donors. I think in at least some of the charities that I've worked with, the culture in that, those charities has not been donor-focused at all. And I mentored uh, a fundraising director of a large charity that was mainly um, funded by local authorities, and he didn't even sit on the senior management team of the charity. Wow. And you know, I, I shared with him my concern that that must make his job very difficult. And I think one of the jobs fundraising directors have to do is to try and um, how can I put it politely, coax uh, the CEO to realise the importance of donors. Yeah. And is, is that because, do you think CEOs just aren't thinking in that detail about where the money's coming from in terms of, you know, John who gives a £5 monthly donation or Sue who gives maybe £50 a year? They're not thinking in those terms, they're thinking in the kind of the the bigger pieces of the pie, so to speak, is that? that, that yeah, that, 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 that's very partly right. I, th I think there's a, a thing of time too. Um, Forty years ago, most CEOs, or a lot of CEOs, would have come from the profession they were in. So, sure. you know, the NSPCC would, would have a chief, uh, a chief executive who had come from a social work background, etc., yeah. um, etc. Et um, now, 
some fundraisers are becoming CEOs and that's great but in many cases uh, the CEOs of charities are being recruited from business um, and they don't have that fundamental understanding mm. that charity is about the relationship between the donor and the cause and so they see the fundraising department as, as something over there in a corner sure. um, that generates the money that enables us to do our work yeah. they don't see it the way you've just described it which is the you know the person who digs £60,000 in their pocket um, and CEOs I think should be doing much more to hold fundraising directors to account for um, how they're behaving towards their donors. Yeah. Would it be good practice on a small level for a CEO coming to a charity to become a donor and to see how they're treated? It'd kind of become like a mystery shopper. We've talked about that before in different contexts. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like CEO, see a CEO coming in to donate to a charity, their charity because they really believed in the charity and yeah. that was why they were working for the charity and seeing how that journey then you know kind of seeing from the point of view of a donor how they're being treated by their charity absolutely, absolutely. Might, might affect their perception and things so, and, yeah. and I think too um, I've worked with I've worked with about eight CEOs in my time at the NSPCC and one of the things that I'd always try and uh, once I've got them to understand the importance of donors then the next thing was to get them to be prepared to engage a significant part of their time, I don't know, like 5%, 10%, to actually donors, to meeting individual donors. Um, I think CEOs of charities should have build a relationship with the CEOs of corporate partners that a charity has. Um, at the NSPCC, we used to invite um, donors to um, seminars we could get about 80 donors into our meeting room um, and get the CEO to come and speak and explain the work and answer questions and interestingly the donors who came to those sessions um, were really inspired and really provocative and asked the most challenging questions I've ever heard and the CEO is the only person that can answer those questions and, and really communicate to donors the vision that he or she has for for the charity. So I would say the CEO is probably the most important fundraiser in the charity. And if they if a CEO comes to a charity and doesn't have fundraising experience, is it good a good idea for them to work closely with the fundraising director or is that is that only if they don't have much fundraising experience? Or I mean what's the kind of I suppose the demarcation line between a CEO um, saying you're the director of fundraising, it's your job, just tell me when you need me and I don't know much about fundraising, I need to know more about fundraising, I want you to report more closely with me. I think you've, you've, you've hit an important nail on, on a head. Uh, I think a chief executive who comes in and says, I know all about fundraising, so I'm going to tell you, fundraising director, how to do it, um, is an absolute disaster. I think, I think uh, uh, a chief executive who comes in and says fundraising, I don't know anything about fundraising, uh, but I do know that uh, you need me to engage with donors. Mm. Please use me as a resource. Yeah. Um, come to me and tell me what you want me to do, who you want me to engage with, how you want me to engage. Mm. The CEO doesn't have to be an expert in fundraising. The fundraising director will do that. Sure. But the CEO needs to be the embodiment of the cause. And by being the embodiment of the cause, by inspiring donors 
to want to help. Mm. They don't need to understand fundraising, that they will simply do it intuitively. And what, what's the role then of the trustees in, in uh, terms of supporting the CEO or, or encouraging the CEO to become more of a kind of useful tool for the fundraising team? We were very fortunate at the NSPCC in that throughout my time there, a third of the trustees were representatives of our local volunteer branches. Okay, well. Wow. So they were donors, yeah. in a sense. They were yeah. supporters, volunteer yeah. supporters. And they created a mindset within the trustees all the time of, you know, the, the, the donors are sitting around this table. Right. I would always encourage uh, the charity, if, if we wanted a really good lawyer, on the trustees, I go to the major donor department and said, "Who have which major donors have we got that are really good lawyers?" Right. And try and get onto the trustees someone who's already a donor. Right. Okay. The worst trustees I ever had to deal with were those who knew nothing about fundraising, didn't give to Wouldn't charity. Wouldn't have in their pocket. No. no. Um, and and they just regard it as like you know another non-executive directorship where yeah. they would ask difficult questions. Um, the best trustee I ever worked with was a, a donor that we um, acquired when he was a partner at Goldman Sachs and was giving £50,000 a year wow. um, and he became our treasurer and he absolutely championed, uh, you know, we're not a business, we have to take risks because, yeah. um, because we're doing the right thing for children. Sure. So I think trustees can do two things, uh, they can either be really inspirational supporters of the CEO um, to drive the CEO to fundraising to deliver to raise more money to do more for beneficiaries I've also seen really bad boards of trustees who just hurled brickbats at each other and um, you know say so why aren't you raising more money why aren't you on target why are you behind last year um, and I think the fundraising director probably needs to sit down sometimes with the CEO and, and mop the CEO's forehead and say, you know, it, they're there, it, do, it doesn't matter, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this together. That must be, I'm, I've not, never been a CEO either, but I, I can only imagine that must be one of the hardest <coughs> parts of the job, is the, is the kind of being the, the sandwich filling between the team, the operational side of things, and then the trustees, especially if, as you say, you've got a, a board which you know might be have some tricky characters on it who aren't necessarily supportive but more of a accusatory or I've had I've had good directors and I've had excellent directors I haven't had any bad directors thank goodness um, I have had some bad trustee groups yeah. uh, and I've had some really good ones and, and very different ones um, and by far the best ones are, are when um, the, the trustees really are supporting mm. the CEO um, in their fundraising role um, yeah. and helping them with it and um, so that the CEO feels that they're doing the right thing for the trustees mm. by leading the fundraising. And we've, we've talked about this a couple of uh, interviews ago I think but this thing that I've, we've heard out of, I've heard out of the States this mantra of give get on or get off in the sense of trustees should give donations get people on board as donors or leave the board and that's come out of a colleague that I spoke to in the States um, but it's an interesting mantra isn't it 
Um, when I first went to the States in 1979, when I became appeals director of the NSPCC, that was very much the mantra then, mm. and it actually wasn't the mindset over here. Yeah. And I would say that how many years it is, 30, 40 years on, it's exactly the same. Yeah. I, I don't think boards of trustees in the UK see themselves as uh, give, get, or get on, yeah. um, get off rather, um, people. That, that just isn't the way trustee boards are seen. Mm. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. What if CEOs struggling with fundraising because of their colleagues in the organisation? Are, are there are there issues around that, and are there things that you you're aware of, kind of the types of scenarios where that might be an issue for CEOs? I, I mean, I, I'm assuming that the CEO is seen as the leader of the charity, and I think if the fundraising director has built a good relationship with the CEO, and the CEO is doing the things I've talked talked about, supporting the fundraising director, meeting donors, um, getting feedback from donors, hearing what donors have to say, then in the senior management team, the CEO is going to be an advocate for for donors. Yeah. So when the finance director says, oh, but, but uh, um, director, you, know, you, 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 uh, you, you can't do that because it's going to cost us money in the short term, the director can say, yes, we must do it because it's going to give donors um, a better experience and they're going to give more money long term. Yes. So I think the CEO can be a great advocate for the fundraising director with the other members of the senior management team. And again, I've had very good relationships with my finance directors and service directors. And if you have a very good relationship with the service directors and that cascades down, mm. then you get services staff being prepared to, um, to meet donors and show donors around projects and what have you. Um, I, I remember when I first joined, uh, the deputy director, now long deceased, John Lowe, he used to say at the inductions of new child protection officers, don't you forget, 20% of your salary comes from dead people. Right. And um, that kind of rather made it clear to, to people, you know, that they only existed because donors gave money yeah. to them. Absolutely. Um, and so, going back to your point, um, again, I think it's very important for the fundraising director to be building relationships with colleagues at the senior level throughout the organisation, so that the whole, whole organisation has a mindset, which is we're only here because of because of our donors. Mm. So donors are not fundraising is not sitting there in a corner. Fundraising is a part of everything that all of us do every day. If a CEO is, is there in an organisation, it might be easier in a, in a smaller organisation because in a smaller organisation, you know, a couple of people or 10 or tw even 20 people, um, people generally have to pick up on different things all the time. The CEO will pick up the phone and answer the <coughs> phone calls as much as they will do the high level strategy stuff. In a larger organisation where that's split out a little bit more, um, and this, if a CEO is going out to events and potentially meeting people and, and building a kind of networking events, for example, potentially major donors, trust companies, how important then is it that the CEO is being given the up-to-date information and clear up information that will help them to talk in fundraising terms? Do you mean update information or...? Um... So in terms of, I suppose, the latest kind of almost... Um, 
crib, crib sheets on pitches or projects or I, I, I think I think I get where you're coming from um, I think on the one hand I think small charities do have a big advantage in that the the distance between the chief executive and the, the donor is much shorter and therefore the chief executive ha can have a much closer relationship with all of the major donors um, I do think though that for a fundraising director that could be a problem because the director, the chief executive, could suddenly see themselves as being, oh I'm, I'm the chief fundraiser and the actual fundraising director will be sidelined. Right. And I think the advantage of being in a bigger organisation, which I was, is that there was no way the chief executive could, could be the fundraising director. The time. Yeah. Um, so I w he would have to take advice from me sure. on where he spent his time most appropriately um, and then, of course, his staff would give him the crib sheets and what he, what he should say, etc. But I was very clear that I was in control of fundraising, and he was a resource to me to do that. Right. In that five to ten percent of his time that I had. Yeah. Beyond that, I was accountable to him, of course, and he could wrap me over the knuckles and do all sorts of things <laughs> um, because he was my my boss. Sure. But he was not only my boss; he was my. You know, he was my best friend and, and, and most solid ally mm. in um, mm. being able to go out and inspire donors. And is that kind of, is that, do you think that's a, a standard thing? Is that a kind of standard requirement of any CEO, any, any leader, that they are there to, I suppose it's part of it, isn't it? Supporting their staff, maybe being a critical friend to their staff at different times, but, but ultimately, as you kind of said, in that situation, five or ten percent of their time was yours, for one of a you know, better better term, but the rest of it was going to be out to other people. But so they were kind of looking to you to guide them, you know, kind of that the level that you were at, kind of senior management level. Do you think is that a good even for smaller charities? Do you think is that a good model to have? Not necessarily the percentage of time, but that a CEO as much as possible should be looking to their senior management team to feed into their thinking at the very least or direct them otherwise? I, I think you, you, there are two different points there. One, one is a question of management style and yeah. a chief executive officer is going to have um, a different management style from another one. Some will be more hands-on, some will be more ha hands-off, some will go by objectives, some will be more supportive. Mm -hmm. So. I, it says I'm, I'm leaving all that to one side. Sure. I'm, I'm saying that in that context, every CEO of every fundraising charity should be allocating time to support the fundraising director uh, in achieving their objectives. Um, and that, I would say, should happen in 100% of fundraising charities. I, I can't see why it wouldn't. The years where the fundraising seemed a bit easier, which sometimes happens, sometimes you know, money's coming in earlier in the year at least, did you find that you were asking for your CEO's involvement as much or less or more than those years where maybe the year didn't start off as well? Well, that, that, there's, um, there's two sides of that. I think when there's a bad year, um, then the fundraising director is going to want the CEO uh, to be helping to prop up. Um, the ship, meet, meet donors, really inspire them to give more because um, things aren't going so well. On the other hand, when things are going really well in fundraising, that means probably because you've got more donors, 
uh, and more volunteers that need to be inspired. So whether you're in a good year, a bad year or an ordinary year, you, you need the Chief Executive 100% behind you. If a, um, a director of fundraising in an organisation is listening to this and they don't feel that their chief exec has, has sufficient fundraising knowledge or is supporting fundraising enough, what should they do? What would you say? What, what's so you, 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 you've made this mistake a number of times. You talk about fundraising knowledge. Sure. I don't. I don't want my chief executive to have fundraising knowledge. Okay. I want him to have insight into the fact that his work is dependent on donors yeah. and to support the fundraising director. The key point is, if the chief executive is not giving that support mm. to the fundraising director, even though the fundraising director is asking for it in the nicest possible ways here, there and everywhere, if they've just been blanked by the CEO, you, know, you just get, get on and raise the money, yeah. then my advice is leave and get a job where you're, really? um, you're appreciated. Giles Pegram, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. It's my pleasure. So there you go, a big thank you to Giles Pegram, CBE. Some key takeaways that I took from my talk with Giles are the role of the fundraising director in coaxing CEOs into thinking about fundraising is absolutely vital. Many CEOs are coming from the commercial sector and may not fully understand or understand at all what fundraising is. Giles talks about CEOs holding fundraising directors to account for how they're behaving towards their donors. And CEOs of charities should build relationships with CEOs of corporate partners. And I think that's a fantastic idea and hadn't necessarily thought of that. The CEO is probably the most important fundraiser in a charity, but that does not mean that they take the place of the fundraising director. They are a tool to help the fundraising director achieve fundraising success for the charity. Another idea which came out of this episode was that CEOs could and maybe should be donating to the charity, perhaps as a mystery shopper, to help them understand how their donors are being treated. A big thank you to Giles Pegram, CBE, for contributing again to Charity Chats. We'll speak to Giles again in the coming weeks and we're delighted that he's such a good friend of the show. And thanks to you too, dear listener. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please do get in touch with us through our social media channels or on our website. We'd love to know what you think about the podcast. If you have any ideas for guests that we can interview or topics that we can cover in future episodes, perhaps you'd like to contribute as a guest or perhaps help us with our editing and producing. We're all volunteers here and we'd love you to get in touch if you'd like to offer some support. See our website, charitychat.org.uk for all of our contact information. And finally, thank you to our corporate sponsors. Without you, this venture would not be possible. It's Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kits. Magda Axamit for the beautiful website design at charitychat.org.uk. RR Yard Photography for the beautiful images on our website please do have a look at those and first of fools who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now that's it from us speak to you soon cheerio